Hi, friends. Welcome to the third episode of the Different Church Podcast. I'm pretty sure that if you get three episodes of a podcast, that means you're official. Like, we're officially official at this point, right? I don't know if it's true or not, but um, I'm sticking with it. <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast right now, chances are you are mostly interested in the Bible study slash sermon that Hannah is going to do. And if you want to jump straight to that, you can. It is at 720. But if you're interested in what's going on with Different Church, stick around and hang out with me for a couple minutes. I'll tell you what we've been up to. We are approximately... Actually, that's not true. We are exactly four weeks into a study of a book called The Bible Tells Me So. It's by Peter Enns, and he runs a podcast along with Jared Bias called, what's it called? The Bible for Normal People. Sorry, I almost said the book title again. Uh, even though I just flubbed the name, it's totally one of our favorite podcasts. Um, if you like listening to podcasts, you should definitely check theirs out after you check out this. And we are super excited because they actually re-grammed us. They're not retweet because it was on Instagram, but they shared our story to their page. And I mean, I know I said earlier that we're officially official because we've done three podcasts, but I think being re-grammed by the Bible for Normal People is really what makes it official. So we are really enjoying this book. It is something that it is absolutely engaging our brains and our minds and our hearts and our beliefs and we're not reading it and 100 agreeing with every word it's challenging to us it's helping us to expand our language it's helping us to understand our beliefs more um and everybody in our group is really enjoying it you should totally check it out in fact take a listen to some quotes from some of our people about how they feel about this book uh, I just like about how with this book, every time I read some sort of scripture or hear some sort of passage now, I look at it through a different light that I didn't in the first uh, the first time around or a different set of eyes. I just love the whole concept of the Bible not being an instruction manual, but being more of a guide. And how as you go through time and you go through your life and circumstances, your view and the message that you get from the Bible is going to change, and that's completely okay. I'm uh, really enjoying how I'm looking at things from the other side of the coin um and it's making me think um i love that the book just uh says that it's okay to question even though the bible is something that people say is a set in stone book it's nice to know that there are people that question and think further into it how do you feel about chapter four? Oh, I'm this chapter is blowing my mind that was not enthusiastic. Yeah. That was a lie. I'm not sold. That was how, a lie. How is it blowing your mind? <laughs> that was Mike on that last one. He had so many great things to say about the book until we hit record. And uh, for some reason, he doesn't like his voice or he doesn't like being recorded. I don't know. If you guys know Mike, shoot him a message, a text, an email, hit him on Facebook, whatever. Let him know that he's awesome and... Uh, we love hearing what he has to say, and I, I think we should do a whole podcast featuring Mike. <laughs> He's going to hate me. Okay, so we have been going through that book for the past four weeks, and I think we have another couple chapters left. And then we're going to be uh, doing something new in our small groups, and I don't know what we're going to be doing. We might even be expanding our groups. If you were interested in taking part in small groups with us, please let us know. 
you can email us at hello at diffchurch.com or hit us up on social media. Um, we might do another book study. We might, uh, I don't know, the sky's the limit kind of. Um, and we're going to maybe just keep doing the one group or if there's enough people who are interested, we might split into two. Um, it just kind of depends on, on you guys and who wants to be involved. And speaking of that, we have a Friendsgiving event coming up this Friday. It's by invite only. So if you haven't been invited, I'm sorry. Maybe just uh, try harder next time. Oh, I'm going to delete that. No, I'm going to leave it in. I'm leaving it in. We have a Friendsgiving event. Um, we're hoping by the time that's over that we might have enough people to potentially jump to two groups. We'll see. We're just really excited to see how God is kind of growing this thing organically. Um, all we're doing now is small groups and doing community events. And we think that if we do that for a couple months, we will be ready to rock for our official launch and our soft launch next year. Speaking of community events, we have a big community event coming up in December. It's on the 21st. We are going to be doing a laundry project. And instead of me just telling you about that, I figured I would let the man himself tell you. Uh, everybody, this is my good buddy, Jason. Uh, check out what he says laundry projects are. Laundry project is a um, community project. We work with laundromats and lower income communities and provide free laundry services for lower income families. We basically turn laundry pro laundromats into community centers of hope for a few hours on a weekend with a team of volunteers and to bring some hope and dignity inside a laundromat. If you want more information about that, you can check out our website at www.laundrybycurrent.org. We're so excited to be partnering with Jason and Current. Uh, it's such a cool event. I, I could have him brag about stats. Um, they're in like multiple states at this point. I'm so proud to call Jason a friend of mine. We've been buddies for, man, like 13 years, 14 years, something like that. And I've just seen him do really cool work. And I'm so excited that Different Church is going to be a part of it. And this is absolutely an event that you can be a part of. So if you want to come out and help us out and just be a part of a really cool event, again, email us at hello at diffchurch.com or go to the website at diffchurch.com. All right, I think that's all the updates I have for you. Things are going awesome. Uh, we're so thrilled that you guys are following along and just keeping track of us. It means the world to us. Thank you. Thank you so much. And now we are jumping into episode three. And if you listened to last week's episode, you know that I get to name the episodes. And I was pretty proud of last week's. But I got to be honest, this week's episode is even better. So wherever you are right now, just get the excitement level way up. You should probably do a drum roll on your steering wheel if you're in the car or at your desk. Go ahead, drum roll. And this week's episode is titled Yahweh or the Highway? That's right. There's a question mark at the end. All right. Let's get into Yahweh or the Highway. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 16. Hi, friends. Welcome to another podcast episode. This is episode three of the Different Church Podcast. And today I have some questions that have been submitted by you, the listeners, that we are going to address. And I've pulled out three that are related. And they all relate to the verse that you just heard me quote, John 14, 16. 
So the questions for today's episode, which we are going to go through one at a time, are number one, are all faiths equally valid? Number two, do all roads lead to the same place? And number three, do only believers in Jesus go to heaven when they die? So let's take these one at a time. These are all loaded questions, and they all get to the heart of something that we all have anxiety, we have worry about. And so we're going to address them in order, in kind of building order. So when we get to the very heart of the issue, that will be a question three. So first, let's discuss, are all faiths equally valid? Now, what? first of all, what do we even mean by valid? <laughs> so if we mean worthy of respect, are all faiths worthy of respect or are all faiths worthy of an attempt on our part to understand them? I would say the majority of time, the answer to that would be yes. So in any dialogue, we have to be careful not to attack people. We don't belittle people. We don't dismiss other people's experiences. That's not helpful to any kind of conversation. Now, of course, you have to take this with a grain of salt. So if a religion's entire premise was murdering people, like that's all they did, um, none of its adherents pursued peace of any kind, no reconciliation, no mercy, no grace, basically their entire premise was they were just going around murdering people, then that religion, I would say, would not be valid. <laughs> and I think that's making light of a situation. But what we're asking when we say are all religions valid is do we mean that they're worthy of respect? Should we even entertain them? Should we give them an ear? Um, and I would say the majority of the time, we should at least be respectful. There is, most religions are worthy of an attempt on our part to understand them. And we need to apply this across the board. So there's a branch of theological studies called ecumenical studies, which is that branch that finds common ground between religions between other religions and our own. So you can have a Christian ecumenist, you can have a Muslim ecumenist, you can have a Jewish, Jewish ecumenist, and all of these people seek out ways in which the religions are similar. So for example, if I were doing ecumenical studies with another Jewish person, I would say, there are so many ways that our religions are similar. Obviously we diverge in some pretty clear places, but there's some ways that we're similar. We have the same original testament so the hebrew scriptures of the jewish people is our old testament for christians um and i think that we can see this happening a lot between the american church and judaism that's certainly the religion that we attempt to understand the most the people group that we attempt to be on their side the most although there's a both good and bad track record on this but i think as far as the american evangelical church goes judaism is certainly the religion that gets the most amount of our attention, <clears throat> but we don't see it happening a lot between churches and other religions. So I have had uh, almost zero conversations between a Christian and a Muslim or a Christian and a Buddhist. And when they're really trying to seek to understand each other and determine where's the common ground, where can we agree? Um, and, and how can I understand you? Typically, people will shut down this conversation entirely, and that's certainly been my experience um, in speaking with other Christians, because even in Christian denominations, in Christian categories, you have to have ecumenical studies, you have to have a place where we can examine how we are similar, because as I'm sure you are aware, there's different kinds of churches on every corner. We're called different church, <laughs> and we are not part of any denomination, but 
there are plenty of churches. There are Wesleyans there, which generally turn out to be Methodists, but there's many branches of that. There is Lutherans, there's Catholics, there's the Evangelical Church, which has Baptists and Pentecostals, and it just goes on and on and on. And the, and the list of people that split over tiny differences, it just proliferates and proliferates. And we have this growing tree of church denominations and church sex in America and around the world. And so we have to have some kind of ecumenics in our own religion so that we can have common ground and agree with each other. So for example, I have heard this phrase many times in my life, um, mostly from evangelical Christians, that Catholics aren't real Christians. Okay, <laughs> so that's a pretty bold statement to make. And I wonder if it is, it's, it's generally not from a place of truly understanding what their practices are and what their beliefs are. It's from a place of just our, of disagreement. So I say that they don't agree with me. They don't, and my interpretation is of course the best and brightest interpretation. Therefore, they're wrong and we're gonna shut this conversation down. And generally that's how the conversation goes. Um, <laughs> we just shut the conversation down. We say, nope, they're wrong. Or we say uh, something like Christianity, well, of course it's offensive. That's just the way it is. If you say there's an absolute truth, then that means everything else is not true and everyone's gonna be offended by that and you just have to deal with it. And I don't really think that that's a good way to approach conversation with other people. I don't think it's a way to approach conversation with other religions. And it's a very narrow, I would say it's a narrow-minded approach, not because you will go into a conversation expecting to be convinced of anything, but because other people deserve respect. So a respectful dialogue never denies the personhood of another human. So I want to give you a couple of ways that we can have respectful dialogue and the rules for that before we jump into whether or not we should adhere to these other faiths or we should think that they're as equally right and true as our own. So first of all, when you're trying to have dialogue with someone else and they disagree with you, or even they agree with you on most things, but a few things they don't. So I'll give you an example. In the Pentecostal church, I was raised in the Pentecostal church, and we very much generally have this emphasis on the Holy Spirit. And of course, the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity, which is God is three in one. So God, the Father, God, the Son, Jesus, and God, the Holy Spirit. That's a pretty foundational doctrine to the Christian church. And Pentecostals embrace that generally, fully. Um, but there's a certain part of the Pentecostal church that only believes in Jesus. They that God is one, there's not three parts. And um, there's been a lot of back and forth and a lot of uncomfortable discussions. And they have received a lot of neg negative energy from the church and consequences. So that's just an example in my own life and my own theological studies. But what we have to do when we are talking to another person is first have a dialogue where we listen to understand them, not to respond to them. And that is what I hope that we wish for ourselves. If you're explaining your position to someone, you want them to understand what you're saying, to truly understand what you're trying to say, not to just be listening so that they can formulate an argument against you. And that should be the baseline. If you're ever in a theological argument or an argument about anything for that matter, this is basic human practice, and your way, your mode in that argument in your when you first step into it is that you are simply hearing what they say so that you can respond to them, not so that you can understand their point of view, then you probably should disengage from that conversation. 
any conversations we have, especially around touchy subjects like religion and belief and things like that, we need to make sure that we're listening to understand. Number two, the second rule, do not attack people. So this is a philosophical fallacy. If someone says, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. I'll just use my own example. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. And your response to that is instantly, well, you're stupid. Well, that's not a good that's not a good way to respond because you're actually attacking the person you're not engaging with the argument so a proper response to i believe jesus is the son of god and say for example you don't believe that you could say okay tell me why help me understand why that's what you believe what evidence do you have in your life what how has this belief changed your life made it better made it worse etc you never want to go straight to attacking the person because that is a bad way to have a conversation um and of course in mental in any dialogue between uh, married people, partners, families, this is obviously goes right to the heart of it. You are discussing an issue and then you attack a person that's never going to work. It's never going to get you the result that you want, which is uh, greater understanding, greater peace. So number one, listen to understand, not to respond. Number two, never attack the person. Number three, save yourself from unnecessary debates. So we already talked about if you're goal when going in is to respond to them, not to understand them, then don't engage. But that works conversely. If their goal is just to argue with you, if their goal is not to understand at all, um, but just to argue with you and respond to you and attack you as a person, please don't engage with that person. Don't waste your time. Um, you need to protect your own mental stability, your own value as a human being and don't allow yourself to be sucked into those debates. And of course, we can all think of examples on Facebook <laughs> or social media online where people just go at each other and there seems to be no human decency, no respect for each other anymore. You can disengage. You do not under any circumstances have to explain to someone your reasoning. And I say this especially to people who are constantly being asked questions that they shouldn't have to answer. So people of color, marginalized communities, the LGBT community, you have the right not to educate someone and to tell them to go do their own research and come back to you. So you can disengage from a debate. You can simply say, I don't wanna talk about that right now, but thank you for thinking of me and move on. And then if they keep pushing you, then that clearly shows a lack of respect and a lack of boundaries. Number four, remember that when people feel very passionately about a topic, it often comes from a place of pain. So they may be very, very passionate about a certain belief that they have. And you see this come up in politics a lot. Um, they may be so passionate, so, so passionate about something. And then at the very heart of that, if you can really drill down, it's because something happened to them, something happened to some one of their loved ones, they were denied personhood, they were denied humanity, et cetera. So it often comes from a place of pain and you have to remember, to that, remember that. And I'm sure you can think of times in your own life when <laughs> um, you have felt very passionately about something because it was a point of pain for you. So be, may remember to be gentle with people. The goal is not to beat people up. The goal is to understand each other. And finally, this is point number five, and I think it's the most important point about having a respectful dialogue. If you can't convince someone with your life, you will not convince them with your words. So if you are telling someone that you passionately believe in Jesus and Jesus has made this huge difference in your life, faith has made a huge difference in your life, and you're just so much of a better person now, but yet in your actual life, you are still consistently harming other people. You are still 
lying to other people, not respecting other people's boundaries, um, and, and that's a consistent theme, they're not going to be convinced. So if your goal is to understand another person and get them to understand your perspective, if you are telling them something that does not fit with your life, it's never going to work. Um, I speak from personal experience. <laughs> We're all a little bit hypocritical sometimes. We have our little believies. We have our beliefs that we hold dear inside, and they don't always reflect our life. Um, and so I'm not saying you can never make mistakes. I'm just saying if you are saying something and yet your life reflects the complete opposite of what you are saying, you will not convince them. If you can't convince someone with your life, then you won't convince them with your words either. So that is how to have a respectful dialogue. When we talk about are all faiths equally valid, what we are asking originally is should we give them an ear? And the answer is yes, we should mostly, mostly always give people a year an ear and seek to understand them. Now, going back to my silly example of a, an entire religion being, their entire foundation being, they're just gonna go kill people, that is not an equally valid faith. Um, but if there is a major religion, if you know someone or even someone who is a part of a smaller faith community and they just want you to understand and they're not really harming other people, then you need to give them an ear and seek to understand because that's how we form personal relationships. So second, by asking, are all faiths equally valid? The second thing we're asking is, do all roads lead to the same place? So I'm going to repeat myself here. <laughs> so bear with me a moment. So the first thing we ask, the first thing at the heart of this conversation is, should I even listen to them? And why should I? That's, are they valid? The second thing is, do they all lead to the same place? Should we even have this conversation? Because basically, is universalism a thing? So do all religions end up at the same goal? Are they all different roads to get up the same mountain? Forgive my ridiculous metaphors. <laughs> Maybe you've heard that metaphor before. All roads lead up the same mountain. Um, I think that the answer to do all roads lead to the same place is clearly no, because if we look through history, some faith practices clearly do not lead people to be better humans. They do not lead people to be more loving, more hopeful, more accepting. They do not lead people to have more grace in their life, to have more mercy, to have more freedom. There are practices that deny the personhood of people. There are practices um, in faith that effectively have done awful things in the world. And some faith practices if you just look in history and perhaps in your own life, certainly I can see people that have succumbed to this, that their faith practices have made them more controlling, more fearful, violent, harmful towards others, harmful towards themselves. And some faith practices in history, they have made the human condition worse instead of making it better, or they have exacerbated what's already inside of us. And I don't think that that is good. So clearly all roads do not lead to the same place. Um, going back to my example of a religion being based on just killing people, that was their entire premise, then that would not lead to the same place as we hope that faith in Jesus will lead, which is to fully embrace other people and to live this redeemed life. So it should be noted that Christianity has been guilty of this, <laughs> of having faith practices that deny personhood to people, um, that make people that try to control people and make them fearful and do not offer them freedom and redemption. Christianity has been guilty of that many times throughout history. So we're not pointing the finger at anybody else. But I would put forth to you that, that those types of Christianity perhaps do not lead to the same place that we want to go. Um, so if your faith 
causes you to deny the personhood of another human being, then your faith is on a different path. It's going to a different endpoint. It's not going up the same mountain that we hope that we are as we try to figure this thing out. Um, And I speak of Christianity specifically because that's where most of us are. Um, But you can apply this to any religion across the board. If you're denying the personhood of another human being, then we're not going to the same place. We're not going to reach the end goal. So the third thing that is at the heart of this question of are all faiths valid? Do all roads lead to the same place? The third thing is do only believers in Jesus go to heaven when they die? Now, this question of universal salvation has been debated inside and outside the church for centuries. (laughs) This is nothing new, Um, although it has been quite a, I I would say it's had quite a resurgence in the last maybe 50 years, especially with the evangelical community. So there's been some people who have argued for universalism that have been branded a heretic, branded all kinds of things by the, the American evangelical church. And just know that that's not a new discussion. It's not as though someone 30 years ago wrote a book and was like, I think that no matter what, no matter where you are in your life, no matter what you've done in your life, that everyone will be saved no matter what. That that's not a new idea. That's been floating around in Christian circles for a long, long time, centuries and centuries. And so we've always had this back and forth. And I save this question for last because we always go straight here. <laughs> and it's important It's important to address how to have a respectful dialogue and whether we're all going to the same end point first. Because this is the place of pain for people. If you don't believe in Jesus, will you go to heaven when you die? Um, it's a place of anxiety. Will my loved ones go to heaven? They're not Christian. They didn't say the words. Um, some people actually just accept the world. They're just like, yeah, the world sucks <laughs> and only some will be saved. And that's just the way it is. And the world's hopelessly broken. There's no redemption for it. And I'm going to save, hopefully you'll forgive me for this, but I think we will go way, way over time. And I want to dedicate the appropriate amount of time to this topic. I'm going to save the discussion of heaven and hell and what heaven and hell looks like and how we think about it for another episode. Um, because I want to dedicate the appropriate amount of time to that. So what I want to leave you with is questions for you to reflect on. It's ways to think about this question, do only believers in Jesus go to heaven when they die, that you can think through. Because remember the point, as I said in the last episode, is is not for me to just give you an easy answer and for you to take that and put it in your pocket and go about your day and have never question this again, because we will all run into these uh uh-oh moments where easy answers do not work. Easy answers crumble quickly. They, unfortunately, (laughs) easy answers do nothing to protect you against doubt. And in fact, they can even cause doubt and they can really be harmful to other people because we haven't thought them through. We haven't sought to understand even our own selves and what we really think. And when you say, when someone says, do all believers, do only believers in Jesus go to heaven when they die? And you say instantly, of course not. Well, that can be really, really harmful to people. And it doesn't mean that there's not a kernel of truth in there, but I want you to think through critically, where do you land on this issue? So our goal is to pursue wisdom. And I invite you to listen to these questions that I'm going to pose to you, these thoughts that I'm going to pose to you at the end slowly. Perhaps you need to listen to them more than once. Let them sink in. Let yourself process them. Maybe try to process once a day. Like, how do you feel about these things? So first, 
is the point of belief in Jesus actually going to heaven? Is that the end goal, to go to heaven? Or is the point of belief in Jesus to live a redeemed and grace-filled life starting right now, in this present time, that your life would be a reflection of the redeemed and grace-filled future we have in Christ? Not to say that eternity and heaven is not important, but is that the main point? Or is the main point to have that redeemed and grace-filled future break in right now to our present time and be able to flow through us to other people? Two, what does belief in Jesus actually look like? So it's easy to say, do only believers in Jesus go to heaven when they die? But what does belief in Jesus actually look like? How would you know if someone believed? Is it just a verbal adherence? Simply saying that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe Jesus is Lord. Is that all that's required? Or is it this inward dedication, this resolve to love God, to love other people, because of the great love that has been shown to us. Three, is saying the phrase, I believe in Jesus, or I believe Jesus is the son of God, is that the crucial saving act? Is saying those words what saves you? And of course, the response to that is, what what about people who don't have the mental capacity to understand those words? people who have never heard of Jesus, people who are too ill to say those words, people, I think I already said this, people who have never heard of Jesus who cannot be expected to say Jesus Christ is Lord because they don't even have the language to formulate that. Is that the saving act? Or was the crucial saving act Jesus himself on the cross as Jesus absorbed into himself, all the pain, the violence, the rage, the loneliness, the disappointment, the injustice, the despair, the darkness that seems to have no end? Is it that Jesus absorbed all of that into himself, took it all, went through it, and came out on the other side? Four, is salvation just saying a phrase out loud? Or is it this process by which our hearts and our spirits recognize even for just a moment that we are broken and the world is broken and that we desperately need help and that perhaps there's a God after all whose legacy is not death and destruction the way ours is, but a God whose legacy is freedom, mercy, and life. The process may involve words, But perhaps God is in that process internally as well, hearing that desperation in our hearts that we struggle to give voice to. Five, perhaps faith is not something you find or lose the way we often seem to approach it. We find faith on Sunday morning or when something goes terribly wrong in our life or when we need that promotion or we need something and we lose it the next day at work or the next moment with our family. Perhaps faith is not that way, but faith is a process by which God redeems our life from a pit. 
perhaps that process God doesn't give up on even when we try to jump back into the pit repeatedly over and over again. Six, perhaps salvation, belief in Jesus, is a process where what God says about us through the blood of Jesus and Jesus taking the weight of the world's brokenness on himself becomes more important than the feeble words we can say about God. And finally, what I will leave you with is that I don't want you to think that our words are not important, that our words have no value. Our words are very important and our beliefs are important. But what I want you to reflect on in terms of salvation and in terms of believers in Jesus is that perhaps it is what is in our hearts that is most important. In the darkest corner of our heart where our doubts and our griefs and our hopes and fears and joys and anxieties where all of they all of those things collide and there's the tiniest spark of belief perhaps that's what god is looking for not just me saying out loud i believe that jesus is the son of god we only see the outside of a person god sees the heart and for that i am eternally grateful And I just invite you to reflect on that this week. What is it that God is looking for? Is it that spark of belief somewhere deep inside of us? Or is it simply verbal adherence? What is salvation? And I think that when we can answer that question, then we will arrive at the answer to the question about belief in Jesus and the afterlife. And we'll talk about heaven and hell in a later episode. And... I look forward to that very much. Um, But for now, I think it is important for us to understand what do we even mean when we say salvation? What are we being saved from? What are we being saved for? Is it so that we can just continue our lives and go to some magical heaven after we die? Or is it so that the glorious, free, redeemed, peace-filled, hope-filled future that God is preparing can actually break into this world where there's so much hopelessness and so little freedom and that we can actually experience that right now in our lives, help other people experience that in their lives, be the agents of justice and change and continue that work on through death and beyond. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, uh, we would be honored if you would subscribe to the podcast and uh, give us a rating. Let us know what you really like about what we're doing. Also, don't forget to check us out at diffchurch.com and follow us on Instagram at diffchurch or facebook.com slash diffchurch.